This is episode 72 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am so glad you're here. We are right now in the middle of the Peaceful Home series on kindredmom.com, where many writers have been sharing their thoughts, their stories, experiences with what contributes to peace in their homes. And if you haven't been over to the blog in a while, I would love for you to check it out. Some of you have already noticed that on our podcast feed, we have been sharing the audio versions of every essay that we have been featuring this series. And we would love to know what you think about that. If you enjoy that, if you've been listening to those, please send us a note. And we are making plans to do the same for the next series. So we'd just love to hear from you. Today's guests are really, really wonderful. I have Robin Chapman here from the Kindred Mom team to help me interview Jim and Lynn Jackson. They are from Connected Families and they are so full of wisdom about parenting and sibling relationships. And the following conversation was a huge blessing to me. I hope that you find a lot of value in it as well. Please go over to their website and check out the other resources they have. They have so much to offer families who are looking for help in the area of just having a peaceful home and healthy relationships, parent to child, child to child. And I just couldn't have been more pleased with the conversation we had. I hope you enjoy as you listen. Today, I'm really pleased to be welcoming a special duo to our show as we are talking about how to have a peaceful home, especially in terms of family relationships and really um, a peaceful family. And I have Robin Chapman, part of the Kindred Mom team here to co-interview them with me, but I'm really excited to welcome Lynn and Jim Jackson. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here with you. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, I would love for people to have just a, a quick intro to who you are and what the work that you do is. Well, we uh, form Connected Families officially in 2000. But we've been teaching parenting for 25 years or more. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we finally started an organization. Um, I have a background in occupational therapy, so I get those little kiddos with sensory and behavioral challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our ministry is actually born out of work that, that I was doing with high-risk teenagers, yeah. uh, unfortunately, many of whom were coming to us out of church homes. And uh, it wasn't for lack of parental good intentions that right. the young people were showing up with us. It was because the parents uh, maybe didn't see some of the things that they could see that would help them connect better with their kids' hearts. So we started Connected Families in 2002, and ever since, Mm. all we've done is serve parents. Mm -hmm. Well, we're so glad to have you, and it's the first time we've had a couple on together to speak about their expertise and knowledge, so we're really excited for that dynamic. And I also just wanted to mention that Robin is familiar with some of the resources that you guys have put out there, and so Robin, I'd love for you to just say a couple words about what you have been drawn to in the work that Lynn and Jim have shared. The two things that I think about frequently are um, the framework, which you guys reference free- frequently in your podcast. Um, and for the for the listeners, there's the the foundation, which says you are safe with me. Um, connect, you are loved no matter what. Coach, 
you are called and capable and correct. So you're responsible for your actions. And I am starting to work that into my parenting. And then the other thing, I actually took uh, the sibling conflict course um, mm-hmm. that walks us through the peace process um, for dealing with conflict between siblings. Well, I'm just really glad to have you here as another voice because um, we are both moms in the trenches. I have seven kids ages seven months to 13 years and Robin wow. Robin has four kids and her age range is somewhere in the mix of that as well. And so, um, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot about parenting, but there's so much that I'm still learning. And so I'm really, really grateful to have your voices and your wisdom from the years of parenting that you've done and also the ways that you've served other families in that process. Would you be willing to give us just a general overview of your philosophy of how to approach parenting in a way that um, is both approachable, like reasonable for the average parent, and also really that has this underlying vision of what you're after as you intentionally Mm -hmm. make choices to lead your family a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, that's a big, long question. Uh, and and, uh, and, and well, It's all right. It's good. Uh, I mean, we've written a couple of books to address this, but at the core, the, hun- the underpinning of, of everything that we do, and, and Robin mentioned this, is this framework that we teach that gives parents a vision, not just for how to get kids to behave, mm-hmm. but for how to help kids believe properly, aligned with God's word, aligned with God's grace, aligned with God's truth, uh, and that our everyday activities are opportunities for us to disciple our kids very intentionally. In fact, we are discipling our kids every minute of every day, whether we know it or not. So we just invite parents to be more intentional about that by way of thinking through this four message process that we lay out for parents. And it really starts, as Robin was saying, it starts not with What consequence do I use to stop this behavior? But it starts by going down through the layers and looking first at what's going on with me. Yeah. Um, And that's what we call that a parent's foundation. Um, You know, is there stress and unhealthy beliefs about you and your child? Like, I've got to control this kid before it gets out of Mm -hmm. control. Or are you bringing God's grace and truth into your interactions? Yeah. And in that foundation, our, our family of origin issues and the things that we've learned about being a parent, uh, the messages, the rules that are sort of unwritten and sometimes not even considered that that, that were imprinted on us by our own family of origin issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, understanding some of that stuff and, and the sins that pass from generation to generation sometimes pass to us mm-hmm. and 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 taking captive our thoughts to Christ's obedience in the foundation of our parenting is is something that we ought never to to quit doing. Our kids are now uh, on either side of 30 and we're still <laughs> having to learn to take our thoughts and judgments and assessments and false hopes and dreams and expectations captive to Christ's yeah. obedience as we parent our kids today. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we do that, then we can really communicate a message to our kids. You're safe with me because I'm checking yeah. my baggage mm-hmm. first. I really love that. It's just really wise to recognize the stuff that we bring to the table when we have interactions with our kids. And mm-hmm. um, just because you are, So obviously a team in this process. I'd love to have your advice for um, parents of younger kids about how you have worked together in this process with your different strengths and weaknesses. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, well, number one, you assume that we always do. <laughs> and uh, again, even today, as Lynn and I are very different people, we 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 don't always see things the same. We don't always understand things the same. But what this framework that we teach parents helped us to do, even as young parents, um, e- even if Lynn was going to parent the way she parented and I was going to parent the way that I parented, both of our methods yeah. were different, but our goal was the same, which was to communicate s- safety to our kids, was to communicate unconditional love to our kids, was to communicate a vision for their lives that they're called and they're capable, and to hold them accountable to make right what they've made wrong and communicate the message to them, you're responsible for what you've done. Now, the way that we delivered those messages to our kids was and still to this day is different but because we agree on those principles we were able to honor one another's differences instead of expect that she's supposed to be like me or I'm supposed to be like her mm-hmm. yeah that was really a huge transformation for us because when our kids were little it was really hard we were very different personalities Jim was a youth minister for heaven's sake so he was the fun meister and he could lead them like the pied piper anywhere he wanted him to go but i was the perfectionist i was the taskmaster. yeah so i would come home in the middle of lynn trying to be taskmaster and become fun meister and pretty soon the kids are off doing their own thing while we fought with each other about, about so what's going on here yep, yep. yeah oh it was it was very real so we we when we kind of developed this framework in those early years it really did help us to get on the same page mm-hmm. and appreciate um, our, our, st- our individual strengths, uh, the, the value of our differences, and come at things in a much more unified way. And we actually have on our board, our, our nonprofit board, a couple who said that these principles saved their wow. marriage because they were at such odds uh, over parenting. Mm-hmm. And agreeing on these, okay, here are our goals. This is what we want to communicate to our kids and we'll do it differently um, was enough to just really set them on a trajectory of of growth in their family. So I have a a kind of related question. Um, I am, as I said, I'm familiar with your work and working towards integrating it more in my parenting. Um, My husband is... Um, not opposed, but he's not as familiar with it. Um, I kind of talked to him mm-hmm. a little bit about it, but I was wondering if you would talk a little bit how to parent together, like through the framework when there's a little bit of a gap in vocabulary. Sure. <laughs> yeah. What a great question and a hard question because uh, oftentimes one parent or the other, generally in our experience, the, the mom is the one that's really wanting to figure mm-hmm. out how do we stay connected with these kids? And the dad is more inclined to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and I resonate with this because in the early years when my conflict, I'd come in, I'd put my hands on my hips, I'd furrow my brow, I'd raise my voice a little bit. The kids would get scared Mm -hmm. and do what I asked them to do. And then I'd wonder, you know, in front of the kids even, I'd say, Lynn, do you see this? See how easy this can be? Why are you making it so hard? And then that's where our conflict would start until Lynn learned to ask this question. And I think you should unpack this because, because, you know, I'm coming in and being the tough guy, dad and being the parent, right. Mm -hmm. And, and you're seeing the the relationship between me and my kids start to to mm-hmm. falter and at first Lynn would come to me and say Jim why are you doing that you're just disenfranchising the kids yeah you're scaring Bethany yeah especially our daughter yeah you're you're scaring Bethany and is that what you want to mm-hmm. do and then I get defensive and that's where the argument would start 
<laughs> right. So, so we learn to, um, to really support each other, but to ask each other good questions like that is, you know, how did that go? Is that what you were hoping to accomplish? But um, uh, particularly related to Bethany, who was the most yeah. sensitive and the most, Daddy, you yelled at me. <laughs> yeah. I, and I didn't yell at her. I just did, I hardly yeah. raised my voice, but it wasn't yelling, but that's how she interpreted right. it. Right, right. So then my, my goal shifted to how do I empower my kids, especially in my timid daughter, to, to speak up to their dad and share their feelings. And so it's actually the same principle that we use in the sibling online course. When there's a power differential between siblings, there's often either a more verbal or and or an older child that tends to power over the younger child. And, um, you know, they might reach solutions, but it's just like whatever the Mm -hmm. powerful child wanted. And, you know, so it's just not a healthy dynamic. And so parents tendency is to come in and squash, push down the the power of the older child when really what we is most helpful Mm -hmm. is to come under the younger child or the the more timid child and sort of lift them up by your facilitating support so they're on equal footing with the other child so i just simply did that with bethany and jim where i'd say so bethany sounds like daddy hurt my feelings okay well let's go talk Mm -hmm. to him about that no i can't oh well i can help you and i'd pick her up and then i'd take him to her and I'd ask um, her different questions and she then would be able to look him in the eye and go, daddy, you hurt my feelings. Mm. And then it just was really healthy from that standpoint. Yeah. So when Lynn would come to me and say, Jim, you hurt Bethany's feelings, I would become defensive. But when Lynn equipped Bethany to come to me and with those big and and the crocodile tears and say, daddy, you scared me. It hurt my feelings. Uh, you know, I look at her and I have compassion and then I realize, oh gosh. So, so this empowering of the kids to have a voice is important on two fronts. You know, one is, is that it keeps us from arguing with each other, husband and wife. <clears throat> but two is, is that if we don't do that with our younger kids, we actually, in our own way, squish them further from, mm-hmm. from being empowered to have a voice. So if I, if I do the work for my child that the child could do or is able to do or I could help him or mm-hmm. her do uh, in their own relationship with their with the other parent, um, then then I'm missing an opportunity to, mm-hmm. to raise them up. Uh, and, and instead I'm pushing them down. I'm communicating a message that says, you can't handle this. I have to handle it for you. There's just such wisdom in that. And I appreciate you sharing a really practical example of how to empower a child to speak up for themselves. I am curious just because it's a very present challenge in my house with seven children here. Um, (laughs) what are your, what are your best tips for dealing with sibling conflict? I love what you mentioned about the, the, child with the most power. We definitely have one of those. Um, but really just in general tips for helping siblings connect and get along and work together. And really any amount of peace accomplished would be really awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's really two, there's two sides to this coin. One is, and you kind of alluded to both of these. One is the work that we do proactively to, to set our kids up, to be on the same team, Mm -hmm. to be chasing our family vision together, to be, and and, you know, do you have a family vision and have you named some things that are important to you as a family? Mm -hmm. And are there activities that you can structure around your family working together as a team to be a blessing to somebody else? Mm -hmm. 
Um, are there mm -hmm. ways that you can set your kids up to do things together that they enjoy together mm -hmm. uh, and, and give note to that and affirm that and be proactive to build sort of a baseline in relationships between the kids of of joy, of significance, of even being a blessing together, mm -hmm. uh, either within the home or, or outside of the home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We used to set our kids up for just like, <clears throat> you know, a sleepover in the basement with a tent sort of a thing, just the two that conflicted mm -hmm. the most. Um, there was, and it was usually in our home, Bethany and Daniel. And there was even a time that we, we talked about it in the course of how we, um, I, I, we took them to um, their favorite fast food, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, we really want to invest in your relationship because it's really important. So we're going to pay for you to have a meal, um, but you guys get to list 10 reasons why you should work on your relationship. And five can be silly, but five need to be serious. Mm -hmm. And we trained Daniel how to hold the door, order for her, um, let the cashier know that I was in the parking lot watching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they were mm -hmm. safe and all those things. And then they wrote out this list. Um, so it was those kinds of things of just being creative about how to build that connection and their their value of the relationship. Because what parents often do is we try to manage the behavior mm -hmm. We're actually mm -hmm. working against the beliefs that the child has uh, in that situation. So if a child doesn't value the relationship, if they don't value reconciliation, and we try to force something that looks like that, yeah. then we just create little Pharisees that go through the motions but don't have a heart. Mm -hmm. So, and, so much of it is about building yeah. that value first. Yeah. And so Lynn is making the bridge to really the second part of engaging with our kids when they conflict or, or deciding not to because you position them to manage these relationships and they are after all their relationships with each other not yours and so to the degree that we can stay out of the middle of mm -hmm. their their conflicts uh, is a gift to them uh, you know, until it gets to the point where they begin to be hurtful or destructive in their mm -hmm. relationship. Uh, I think it's helpful and parents often laugh when we tell them this, but there's been some research done about siblings. Uh, and this is just two. So two siblings under age five put in a room together uh, with, with a group of toys, uh, watched through the mirror, uh, started a conflict. You want to guess how often they started a new conflict, you know, about a new topic, how often it, those, you know, under five years old, so three and a four-year-old child. Mm -hmm in a room together, having a conflict. You got any oh, guesses? It's got to be several, several times a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's got some intense kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, the research suggested that, um, uh, a new conflict about a new topic started an average of every nine minutes. Is that all? <laughs> and and uh, uh, that doesn't mean they weren't conflicting most of the time. It's just that they started a new one, an average of every okay. of every yeah. nine minutes. Uh, and uh, so it's normal. And and how often those youngsters and they followed these this crew for quite a while. How how often they fought really was not a big predictor of the nature of the nature of their relationship <laughs> when they got older. What was, was the nature of the conflict. So when there was violence or when there was, um, you know, really strong vindictiveness or vengefulness mm -hmm. in, in the conflict, uh, you know, then that became, if it wasn't dealt with, that became a, a predictor of poor long-term outcomes. Another interesting thing was that the kids who had a conflict and then mm -hmm. just went to their own corners and played alone, they ended up not having relationship as a general rule when they got older either. 
because they just didn't, they learned not to want to be with each other. So so, uh, the kids are going to conflict. The question is, how do we help them navigate that? And it's really uh, the the sibling course, Robin, that you took Mm -hmm. is an iteration of the bigger course that we teach or that we offer called Mm -hmm. Discipline that Connects with Your Child's Heart. But Mm -hmm. it's specifically applied to sibling relationships. We ourselves need to learn how to enter calmly. Uh, yes. And then build, build bridges to our kids of understanding one another. And sometimes the best way we can help them learn to understand one another is to find ways for us to express understanding to each of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might look like you got two siblings kind of really going at it instead of coming in with a judgment in your heart, like I used to do. <laughs> oh, Daniel, he's at it again. Right. You come in with empathy for both, but in a, a confident, powerful way. It's like, oh, you guys, this is so hard here. Let me just, can I give you both a hug? Mm-hmm. This is tough. We'll figure it out. So you're coming in with a strong, you're safe and loved kind of messages mm-hmm. uh, that just can decrease the intensity and start to calm mm-hmm. kids' hearts. So you have to be calm before you can lead them to a place of being calm. But it's not passive or Mm. quiet calm. It's confident calm. Mm. And that really makes such a difference as a starting place. Yeah. And then to the degree that you can do it. And I mean, with seven kids, there's, you know, (laughs) I recognize, you know, if we take that statistic that I just mentioned and there's seven. So how many pairs of relationships (laughs) are there in a family with seven kids? That's a lot of conflict in a a house in a day. If if in every nine minutes your kids have a conflict, you know, each pair of kids has a conflict every nine minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So you've, your time is limited. We understand that. But to the degree that you can come in calm yeah. and express some understanding and elicit some understanding mm-hmm. uh, and then and and then get to a place of saying, all right, how do you two want to solve this? Do you got, Can you figure it out by yourself or do you need some help from me right now? And again, based on how much your kids have become familiar with this approach, uh, we know a family, five kids, very similar kinds of dynamics uh, where the mom actually came to the, con, con, the conflicting, what was it? Three and five. Three and five-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. And they were having a conflict about some homework on the floor and the younger child messing it up. And the, the you know, the default for parents is stop that. Get, get out of your sister's stuff. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you that's not okay? And, and, but then the conflicts keep coming and they keep getting worse because that approach doesn't actually train our kids to handle their own conflicts. Mm-hmm. Because instead of a you are capable message, they're getting a you are incapable Mm -hmm. message. I have to dictate a a solution. So this mom approached these kids after learning these things and her kids learning them a little bit over time. And she said, oh, looks like you two are having quite a squabble there. Do you need some help solving this or do you want to solve it on your own? Mm -hmm. And they looked up at mom and they looked at each other and they smiled and said, we'll solve it. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and, and the older s- sister said, I didn't like when you took my math papers. And the younger sibling said, I sorry, <laughs> and helped pick them up and give them back. And they solved it on their own. And then mom came in and said, wow, you two are learning so much about solving your own conflicts. And I don't know if she gave them a high five or hugged them. And, you know, they were conflicting again sure. 10 minutes later <laughs> about something else. Yeah. Well, and I love <laughs> 
some of the things you've alluded to, you haven't said it outright, but I just am gathering this from your message is seeing that there's the surface level of a conflict and then there's the underlying level, like at the heart and mm-hmm. what you're talking mm-hmm. about, the belief of the child. And so I love that the techniques that you're sharing really hit at that deeper level that maybe will actually, hopefully within time, um, move kids in a better direction, just having a healthier uh, process of communication and maybe awareness of yeah. themselves and um, and the, the surface level conflicts might diminish or change or be shorter lived. <laughs> um, I am curious if you have any things that you think are just across the board, things that um, are not as helpful, because I know that for myself, some of the things that you've mentioned, just like um, when there's a flash conflict, it's like trying to like, stop it, stop right. that right there, you know, is <laughs> it's, it's kind of the first reaction. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there are other things that we don't even realize are kind of undercutting that process of the deeper understanding that the kids are coming to as you go through the process. Do you have any, like, these are not the right direction. These are things that are, maybe you don't realize are undercutting the process. Yeah. I want to say one thing about, about saying, stop it again, as we've suggested, when we just tell our kids to stop it and we are consistently the one who make their conflict stop, Um, that long term is going to teach them to rely on my big voice and my big presence to get them to stop their conflicts, which we want to move away from. That said, I, I don't want to communicate, you know, that if, if kids are in a conflict, that at some point you don't try to intervene and, yeah. and stop things and, and buy some time. Because what parents often do, even as they try to put these new ideas in place, is they try to get it all perfect right away. And then they're caught wondering what to do or how to do it and thinking. And I just got an email from a parent today saying, and and so in my effort to be thoughtful and to have, you know, grace in the process, I end up letting my kids railroad the process and, and get away with more stuff than I want them to get away with because I don't know how to do the process better. It's like, well, do the process as well as you can, but don't let your kids run over each other or run over you in the, in the, you know, over time. And so to say, kids, stop, this is not okay. (sighs) Let's all calm down and take a breath Mm -hmm. and then try to solve this when we're all calm. Mm -hmm. I I think that's fine. But what parents tend to do is stop this. You say you're sorry. And, and if you can't say you're sorry, go to your room and don't come out until you can say you're sorry. Yeah. Which teaches a child to lie to get out of trouble. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the, they haven't really learned anything other than I have to go through some compulsory motions in order to yeah. get on with my life. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that clarification. I'm going to pretend that I don't do that every day, even. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning, Robin. We're just learning yes. as we go. Yeah, and it's good. <laughs> you know, one thing that, that really helps in all of this is to have a shift of vision. <clears throat> and I think especially with sibling relationships, that was so huge for me. And I kind of talk about this story both in the course and our book. But I initially would go swooping in, bringing my baggage about my older brothers picking on me. And so I entered with baggage about older brothers picking on innocent little sisters. Which didn't work well for me because I'm an older brother. And I'm like, what are you coddling her for? And you picked on your little sister. (laughs) I picked on my little sisters. So we would enter with our baggage. But when we when we really settled on a mutual vision of we want for our kids the kind of relationships in life that Jesus bought for them on the cross, mm-hmm. trickle down relationships that just flowed from his 
grace and his truth mm-hmm. and his love. And we want that for them, both in our family, but in their relationships beyond. And that was really a game changer. Then I didn't have to remember to do the method, so to speak. It's like my <clears throat> my effort shifted from, oh, here he goes again, to, Lord, what's the opportunity mm. here? Show me how to use this to build the values and skills these kids are going to need to thrive in life. <laughs> so it really, it goes back to not just what's the parent's behavior, trying to manage the kid's behavior, but what's the parent believing about these conflicts and what's their vision and then helping to give their kids a vision for healthy relationships and connected relationships mm. and, and conflict resolution skills. And, and kind of a fun ending on that story is that when Bethany was in her 20s, she looked at me one day and said, you know, I, I kind of get along with everybody and I can resolve conflict with anyone. And I have <laughs> Daniel to thank for that. And Daniel <laughs> her, is her, her older brother. brother. Yeah. Right. So um, <clears throat> so to see, wow, there's such power in these conflicts to uh-huh. equip our kids <laughs> to be peacemakers in, in the world, in their churches, in their families, but not peacemakers that smooth things over, but peacemakers that bring God's grace and truth and true reconciliation yeah. to conflict. I am I'm very curious um if like I I kind of have some some sort of framework that's the wrong word to use in this context but um I have I have an idea like how to respond to things I am wondering if there are um like proactive things that you set up for uh smaller kids um like for instance sharing like how do you I want to teach them how to solve their own conflicts. But if I kind of leave them alone, the big one's going to get all the toys. Um, (laughs) How do you set up ground rules for this? Right. Well, that's kind of, you know, goes back to what I did with Bethany and Daniel. We did is to, Mm -hmm. to come under the, the more timid child and just ask simple questions like Bethany, are you more sad or mad? Because if I were to say, what are you feeling? She, I don't know. So if I gave her two simple choices, then that empowered her to speak okay. to the older sibling. Daniel, I said, you hit me. You know, and then Daniel, did you hear that? What did she say? And make sure he's listening and yep. hearing. Paying attention. Um, right. And then, um, and we've learned over, over the years too, once they understand each other, to, to guide them to work towards a solution where they both feel cared about. And we tell okay. parents, stay away from the F-bomb, the fair word, <laughs> oh, <laughs> because that kids like will that. never agree on that. But to move towards no. a goal to where they both feel cared about. Um, and that doesn't mean that they all, they get everything that they want, but they, they can work mutually towards a solution that they both feel proud of, that they were unselfish, but they were yep. also represented what was important to them. Yeah, you know, with this vision in our brain too, we, we did a lot with play. You know, and we would we would parse the kids out, maybe two out of the three or maybe one out of the three together and use Legos or use or use, you know, whatever toys or dolls or things that they had to kind of make up scenarios that were really intended to to help the kids at a very early age learn to develop a, a, a feelings language and an understanding of the feelings of other people. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that then when we were addressing conflicts with the siblings, you know, we could we could reflect on some of that play teaching. You know, it's like, what does your brother or sister feel right now? And is that how you want them to feel? And is that how God would want them to feel at a time like this? And how do you want to help them feel the way that, you know, that you think is more appropriate? Or, you know, let's talk to the older sibling or the other sibling and ask them, you know, how they feel and, and you know, invite them to say, well, how would they like to feel? And what would it what would help them to feel that way so that so that the the language and the play, the, the language and sort of the ideas that come out of play mm-hmm. are very intentional. And then they and then they play out in real life. Does that make that sense? sense? Yeah, Absolutely. It does. thank you. Yeah. And um, just in our last five minutes that we have together, I'd love for you guys to talk about um well, I have one question, and then I'd love for you to share more about your discipline course and everything. But my question first is, in looking back on your parenting journey, what are the things that have most significantly contributed to your strong family connection with your kids? I think we kind of, for one thing, when we developed the framework, it just visually represented to us First of all, I'm going to own my baggage. My next priority is connecting with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so we we had some key phrases that we developed around that. Like one of them was, we're going to drive a stake in the ground around connection. And when it all goes crazy mm-hmm. and falls apart, um, we're coming back to that. And that, I mean, that commitment really came out of a story of my own life. When we had our firstborn, mm-hmm. I w- we were a young couple and got pregnant before we were planning on getting pregnant. Yeah. Uh, we were married. but <laughs> we, we had a baby uh, just a year into our marriage. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, and I wasn't ready and lost a job, uh, in a situation that wasn't altogether my fault or the other people's fault, super discouraged. God felt distant. I felt disconnected in my faith and, you know, Lynn is about to have a baby and I'm wondering, can, can I be the provider in this family? And am I a worthwhile human being? And does God even care or exist even for that matter? And I'm in the middle of this dark time and Daniel emerges onto the scene. And, uh, he, he was because of, because of what ended up to be nothing, he was put in an isolate for a while. Yeah. Uh, it, well, they diagnosed what they thought was maybe staph infection turned out to be nothing, but you know, he had to be in that isolate for a while, uh, over the weekend because the lab wasn't open and, um, and I'm stroking the isolate saying things like, what a gift, what a treasure, what a joy it is to be your daddy. And as I was saying these things that you say to newborn kids, when in those moments of love, I realized that was God's voice for me. Wow. And I, and I broke down. I mean, it was a very emotional moment in this room full of babies and isolates. And I started <laughs> weeping and, and Lynn comes in and she sees me crying and she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. Uh, I'm realizing how much God really does love me. <laughs> and and then we cried together and the nurse wondered what was wrong and we said we're just recognizing how much god loves us <laughs> it was, could have been quite an evangelistic moment if we yeah. had been focused but uh nevertheless we, we out of that experience we made a commitment to make sure those sorts of messages of unconditional mm. unadulterated love of heavenly parent for his children uh is something we keep receiving 
so that we can keep passing it on to our kids. And, and that's where stake in the ground around connection really came from, was this profound spiritual experience about mm-hmm. God's connectedness to us, God's lavished love from, from 1 John chapter 3, that we get to be known as his children. Mm-hmm. Let's learn to be people who walk in that. Let's learn to be people who thrive in that. Let's learn to be people who go back to that time and time again, so that we can pass that very same blessing on to our kids, albeit imperfectly, as a model of God's connective love for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I so appreciate your perspective and the vision that you have offered us today in this last half hour, just um, coming from a place of love. And I think that there's just a lot of wisdom here that I'm glad mm-hmm. to go back and listen to again. We are able to listen to the final episode. I would love for you guys to share all the resources that you have to offer families, moms who are resonating with the things you're talking about and want to learn more, how can they find you online and uh, what would you direct them towards? Um, They can go to connectedfamilies.org and we have information there. We have lots of freebies, um, e-books on discipline, uh, e-book on children's anger, all sorts of things that they can just download, get on our mailing list, get encouraged, but then to keep an eye out for the online courses. Um, Mm -hmm. We only run the discipline one twice a year because we want to do it with a good, strong cohort of parents. We have a moderator. There's fellowship from people all around the world as they take that course together. It's really been an amazing experience. And, And to kind of spell out what Lynn just said in a ladder, like if you want to take the first step, get on our website, sign up for our email tips, get on our Facebook page, like Connected Families. We have daily lots of stuff on Facebook and Instagram that just goes out every day, sort of a broad reach. Uh, And then we do weekly parent tips through this email subscription, our blog post. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do live workshops that we offer to those who uh, invite us to come. Uh, And we do about 90 presentations a year, not just Lynn and I, but others on our staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the deeper you go, then you're into the online courses. We offer coaching to parents one-to-one, four mm-hmm. sessions based on these four messages that we teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then there's this community of people that are growing on on Facebook. For everybody who's finished our, our online course or can demonstrate familiarity with these four ideas, it's a community of mutual support. And I would just want to jump in too, particularly because you had that question about um, co-parenting, Robin, <laughs> is that um, because of this challenge, we're doing a podcast series for dads. It's kind of oh. Jim and Chad for dads. Uh, there's a different title, but that's what we keep referring Jim to. It and is. Jim and, and our amazing co-worker Chad did a, just a wonderful five-part uh, blog post or a, a podcast yes. series for, for dads that'll be coming up in January. Okay. Will that be on your, on your current podcast or will that be kind of its own thing? No, it'll, it'll be, be, it'll just get added to okay. our current podcast stream. So we do have, we've released 15 podcast, 16 podcasts now. And, and we do intend to keep offering podcasts as free downloads for as long as it's, it's uh, practical to sure. do it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much. I could ask you guys questions all day long. <laughs> just to clarify the, the other two courses, we have one on entitlement and then one on siblings. Those are available anytime. Mm. Um, so people that have a high felt need in that area can go right to that spot. Wonderful. We, we appreciate your time so much. Thank you for being here and sharing with us, inspiring us and pouring your wisdom out from your experience. And I hope that all of our listeners will take a minute to go over to the Connected Families website and check out what is there that might be of use to you. 
It's been great to be here. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for the time. And uh, we look forward to perhaps meeting some of your community and sharing uh, whatever we can with whoever wants it from us. (laughs) You bet. Thanks so much. (laughs) 